realized, like, yeah, I don't really like games. I mean, I like character design, but it always felt like there was a part of it that was just not right for me. I still love character design, but I think the reason why I love character design is specifically because of the storytelling I can bring to the character. Which, to me, in a case, is storytelling is always, like, one of my first loves. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Aishwarya Chandramohan. She is an Indian artist working as a story revisionist lead for Wild Brain. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Uh, sure. Hi, uh, I'm Ashwarya. I'm an artist. I was born and raised in Dubai, moved to SF for university, and now I'm based in LA. I've been doing art all my life, super passionate about story, and now I'm finally doing it. Woohoo! Yay! Yay! Before we get into your interview, the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. Cool. We're going to give you two similar choices, and you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. I'll start us off with the first question. Would you rather be driving around in the mystery machine solving mysteries like in Scooby-Doo or driving around in the Shell Razor fighting crime like in TMNT? I'm not super familiar with TMNT, so Mystery Machine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, also, like, it just feels like, again, you know, like, oh, what's the worst I'm going to run into? Some dude, like, real estate mogul pretending to be a ghost. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Just a guy in a costume. Yeah, there's those guys. They get blown up all the time from what I see. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? No, but also kind of. <laughs> in my head, I'm wondering in the scenario, would you be convinced by like somebody appearing as a supernatural and then being like, okay, we unmasked him at the end, but that was still scary. You know? Yeah, you know what? I probably would be scared. Yeah. yeah. But at least at the end, I'd be like, oh, thank God. It was all just a guy faking it. <laughs> I'm surprised you never uh, watched. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I feel like that's such a cultural phenomenon. So in Dubai, Nickelodeon, for me, was one of the channels we had to pay for. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. So we didn't get a lot of Nickelodeon shows. So I only really was exposed to SpongeBob quite recently. (gasps) Really? Oh, wow. Because all my roommates were like, it is a crime that you got your green card and you haven't watched SpongeBob. They're going to ask you this on the citizenship test. I'm like, okay, let's just watch it. <laughs> but it was really funny. So I enjoyed I myself. Yeah. But yeah, like I did get like channels that were local that would get some Nickelodeon shows. So I, I like watched Cat Dog. Mm. Mm. Oh, I love Cat Dog. And there were like others that are like really obscure, like 90s cartoons that I have vague memories of. Mm. And like if I see them, I'm like, oh my God, it's that cartoon. <laughs> so did you get more Disney Channel on Cartoon Network or was it? Oh, Disney had to be paid for too. Just Cartoon Network. Ah. Oh, interesting. So like all those classic 90s cartoons like Dexter's Lab mm. or like Johnny Bravo, like those are the ones that I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Samurai Jack. Mm-hmm. And then once I moved here, I guess, like, I was able to watch more stuff because, like, you can watch it online now. Yeah. But, yeah, like, Mm -hmm. my prime cartoon watching years were all, like, Mm. Cartoon Network. That's why I know Scooby-Doo. That makes sense. 
Scooby-Doo is a classic and the, the mystery machine is iconic. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know, I would have to go with traveling in the Shell Razor fighting crime because I feel like I don't specifically have to fight the crime. I can just man the van. <laughs> You just have to drive it. Yeah, I, I can just drive. I can just push a button and send a missile. I just got to watch the turtles just do their stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll just be the April O'Neil in that situation. Oh, my God. Would you wear, like, a cute jumpsuit, <gasps> Ray? <gasps> I mean, you gotta. It's part of the team uniform. Whoa, Is it, though? Yeah. Is it? Well, they have their uniform, and you've got yours as the getaway driver. <laughs> yeah. And isn't she, like, a news reporter? Yeah, it, it just depends on the version you're watching, I think. That's true. I guess in the new one, she's... I think she's different in most iterations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, sometimes she's an adult woman, other times she's like a teenager. Was that who Megan Fox played in the live action version? Yeah. I think... So. I'm pretty sure. I've forgotten. I'm pretty sure. Like, no one really remembers that movie. It's okay. Although I am biased because I prefer the live action movies from the 90s. Those are good. They're so bad, dude. They're good, but they're bad, you know? <laughs> that should be on, like, the cassette tape. They're so yeah. good, but they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just self-aware. What about you, Yuki? What would you go with? I can't believe that their vehicle is called the Shell Razor. <laughs> That's so funny to me. That is a really great fun. I mean, I guess probably the shell razor because then I could hang out with the turtles. Mm. Yeah. 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 Probably that. I mean, ah, like the mystery machine. Oh man, but they have a dog. Mm-hmm. Oh. And they're always eating. At least Shag and Scooby. Oh shit. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't like pizza as much as like the variety. Yeah. There's always a feast. Okay, you've convinced me. Probably, I guess Mystery Machine. <laughs> because they go to a lot of different places, too. Mm-hmm. I think, like, in, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they kind of, like, live in their city. They stay there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the sewers. <laughs> I like the idea of, like, going to different places with your friends in the Mystery Machine. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is fair. That is fair. They are traveling more. I will say, though, Shaggy and Scooby actually don't get a seat, though. Yeah, they sit in the back. That's fine. That's good. It's good. I'll be in the back. I love I love that. I feel, yeah, I feel like you'd just be, like, rattling around in the back. Yeah, yeah. Free form in it. <laughs> also, I just want to quickly say, yeah, the Shell Razor, depending on the which turtles you're watching, the van that they drive can be called something different. I think in the original, like, the 90s one, it was called the Party Wagon. The Party Wagon? <laughs> That sounds like a frat mobile. It is, isn't it? It's uh, it totally sounds like a frat frat car. The party wagon. Join us in the party wagon. <laughs> we got pizza. We got pizza and beer. <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think the Shell Razor is the one in the, the CG version. Oh. Ah. I think that's what that one's called. But yeah. It's, it's a really good name, actually. I thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into the last question. Would you rather be an employee at Hotel Transylvania or an employee at Monsters Incorporated? That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Hotel Transylvania. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, really? Why that? I don't know. The world just seems more fun. Mm. You get to use your monster powers to, like, influence the world around you. I feel like in Monsters Incorporated, it's like, there's all these rules. Mm. I don't know. Mm. It's definitely more structured. Like, it's a job they follow. Yeah. I like the uh, little activities. Like, in Hotel Transylvania, there's this one scene, the bingo scene, mm-hmm. that just 
cracked me up that like she picks up the bingo ball and it whispers it in her ear and then she says it <laughs> my sister and i kept re-watching that scene over and over at, at one point on netflix the bar always showed like halfway point because we we kept stopping the movie right there to keep watching that scene. <laughs> but yeah so I like I like hotel. Tra- I mean, I get to like hang out at that hotel, and that hotel's pretty cool. So mm-hmm. I feel like you brought up a good point because the monsters in Hotel Transylvania, like they're in the real world, but they're mystical. You know, they're mm-hmm. oh yeah, monsters exist in our in our world. In Monsters Inc., it's a secret. Everybody's a monster. It's like it's just like if you're just a regular person. So yeah, the mysticism is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm just wondering which one you know has like. Better benefits. <laughs> Ray. <laughs> I mean, probably Monsters Yeah, Inc. probably Monsters Inc. I feel like Monsters Inc. has a union. I feel like Hotel Dustervania doesn't. <laughs> Corporate wise. I mean, you've seen those zombie bellboys. They're constantly losing their arms. I don't think that's Osha mandated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I think Dracula will try to jip you any way he can. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Cut corners. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. He definitely cut corners building that hotel. He's like, oh, yeah, small family business. Yeah, I've, because of that, I think I would go with Monsters, Inc. I just think they have better benefits. I think I have a chance of getting, like, maybe dental. <laughs> maybe a pension plan. Vision for your many eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I feel like there's a structured retirement plan maybe at Monsters, Inc., especially, like, at a hotel with workers being the undead. I feel like there's no retirement plan for them ever. Yeah, no, they're there forever. <laughs> when you're here, we're family, and you're here forever. <laughs> you're forever family. You found them. <laughs> what kind of a monster would you be in Hotel Transylvania? Well, definitely not a zombie. Okay. <laughs> God, that's so hard. I like the slime guy because he's basically indestructible. Yeah. <laughs> and he can just like reproduce. <laughs> just budding. <laughs> yeah, and then he created like a I think it was in Hotel Transylvania 2 or 3 where he had a kid mm-hmm. and then he just created like a dog for the kid from himself, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so probably the slime guy because like nothing could hurt me. <laughs> it all comes back indestructible. Yeah. Either that or like a vampire because like mm. they're cool. No, nice, nice. Yeah. I forgot. What would you go with, Yuki? Monsters, Inc. or Hotel? I mean... These are all really good points. Maybe I would also go with Hotel Transylvania <laughs> because, like, I mean, like you said, like Monsters Inc. is more like it's basically the same as our world, except everybody's a monster. It's like mundane. Yeah, and I I do like the style of Hotel Transylvania. Like, mm-hmm. Gendy Tartakovsky like directed the hell out of those movies. Oh, so absolutely. They're just yeah, mm-hmm. it's so fun and snappy. Even though you would be there forever, I think it would be really fun to be like in that world. Yeah. See, I, I feel I feel like you gotta get all the zombies together and you just unionize. <laughs> Start a union. Unionize the zombies. It might take a while, but I've got time. <laughs> all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. All right, Ahmed. Uh, thank you so much, Ashwarya, for playing in between with us. That was a lot of fun. And to our audience, if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, send us a message either on Twitter or on Instagram at straightaheadap or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. So to kind of start off, could you tell us 
what you do as a lead revisionist at Wild Brain Studios. Cool. So as a lead revisionist, I manage a team of four revisionists. Basically, it involves a lot of like meetings, talking to directors, hearing what they have to say about like the boards, what notes they have, addressing those notes, making sure that there's continuity maintained through multiple episodes. Because, you know, there'll be like, oh, this character got this like prop like three episodes ago and they're still holding on to it like two episodes from now. So we got to make sure that they always have it. Mm-hmm. Then we got to go in and draw that everywhere. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's, it's fun. You know, I like to call being a revisionist, like boarding on training wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like you're essentially like doing stuff that could eventually bridge the gap to boarding, but not yet there. Mm-hmm. It's nice because I love like mentoring people. So I get to like, push my team to like be better artists and grow as artists just in general not just within the context of the show that we're on Mm. and it's always really rewarding to see like how much they've improved over the course of the season Mm. but yeah essentially like as a revisionist lead I'm making sure that we're staying on target making sure that we address all director notes and maintaining continuity Mm. awesome yeah like I feel like for me Learning about a role like that, like I didn't know that existed Mm -hmm. until I started on Gremlins Mm -hmm. because we had a revisionist director, which is basically kind of what you described, where the revisionist director was in charge of three revisionists and us as a revisionist team worked on every single episode versus having a revisionist assigned to a specific boarding team. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just having that title like exist, I was like, oh, that's strange. I never thought there'd be a lead for that. But like it makes a lot of sense depending on the pipeline. But um, especially in that kind of a lead position, you get to really guide the revisionist and like you're in a sense also kind of like taking the feedback from the directors and trying to see how you can better like keep the continuity for the episodes. Mm. Yeah. Are you in contact with all the different episodic directors? Because you probably meet with them and from there you kind of like relay the notes and the information down to your team. Yeah, so every Friday we have like a little handoff meeting. And so there's like three episodic directors that I talk to. Mm. And it kind of goes in a pattern. It's like director A, B, and C. So we have two handoffs a week. And I talk to two of the directors each week and we kind of go over the episode together and they tell me, okay, this is what's working. This is not what's working. We sometimes have to brainstorm solutions together because sometimes it's a little bit more than just, oh, let's make sure to maintain continuity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like shot selections need to be figured out because they're Mm -hmm. not working in the context of what is now going to be the next iteration of this episode. You know, like Mm -hmm. when we cut scenes out, we have to make sure that it still flows together. Yeah, you're not cutting important information that might be relevant in the next episode. And then you also have to make sure that like poses hook up between shots and stuff like that. That's like a huge part of what we have to like keep track of. Mm. But yeah, so I I get to talk to the directors. They don't get to interact too much with the revisionists unless there's like a huge problem that needs to be solved. And then the directors step in and they're like, okay, here's what I'm like looking for. But yeah, for the most part, it's like directors talk to me and then I talk to the revisionists. That's like the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And then I guess something I also kind of want to ask in addition to that, just because I feel like I feel like within our space is pretty well known, but I feel like some people like, you know, students and college students may not be familiar with it. But can you also talk about Wild Brain as a studio and like maybe where they're based just for people who might not be familiar with them? Oh, sure. So Wild Brain is a Vancouver based studio, but they've got studios all over the world except in LA. (laughs) (laughs) And it's cool because they work with people from all over the world, 
not just like people that are based in the same places their studios are based. Like I'm in LA working with Wild Brain as an independent contractor. I think it's cool that they give opportunities to like so many different people from so many different places and backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wild Brain used to be called DHX. Yes, DHX Medias. So if anybody else is familiar with that, they've been in the game for a really long time. They did My Little Pony. Yeah, My Little Pony. Yeah, I think they did Caillou, which is, I did not realize that they did Caillou. Yeah, they only recently changed their name, like, Mm -hmm. one or two years ago or something. Like, really recent. As we're kind of continuing talking about, like, Wild Brain, can you tell us how you actually landed your current role at that studio? Sure. So, in, like, November-ish, I was, well, actually, most of, like, last year since August, I've been, like, feverishly applying to, like, different places. And Wild Brain was one of the studios that had a bunch of open roles that I applied to in November. But mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're like applying to places, most of the time you either get ghosted or you don't really hear anything back. So you just assume, oh, it's probably a no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they'll just straight up tell you no. That's just the way it is. So I just never heard anything back. So I assumed, oh, it's probably a no, whatever. I'll just move on. And then like end of January this year, I was reached out to by a recruiter Mm -hmm. who was reaching out specifically for this position. And they were like, you know, what's your rate? Like, what kind of rate are you looking for? And I basically gave them like the union rate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we can't do that. Um, <laughs> here's a different show that's closer to that budget. And it was Sonic. <laughs> uh-huh. But it was not a lead position. It was like storyboard artist. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my God, it's Sonic. Yes, put me on. <laughs> but literally the next day she got back to me and she was like, oh, that position like just got filled. But those other people still really want to talk to you. And I was like, you know what? I'll take it. It's not like anybody else is calling me right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I took it and yes, it was a little less than, you know, but at the end of the day, like, I think like a job's a job Mm -hmm. and it's still like a ton of experience that I've like gained on this job Mm -hmm. and like I've learned so much. Mm -hmm. They always say in school, like, oh, you're going to learn so much on your first job and you're like, yeah, yeah, but you never realize it till you're like in it. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I've learned so much. (laughs) So yeah, so I had the interview with the people on the show. And it was funny because I didn't know what show I was going to be on until I got to the interview. Mm -hmm. And they just started talking about it, like, so matter-of-factly. And I was like, oh, so that's the show. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, as you you already knew, like, oh, yeah, like, you know. You know. It's the show, yeah. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, I know. You're aware. And it's great because, like, I wish I could say what it was, but I can't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's great because it's a property that I've been a fan of, like, since I was little. Mm. Okay. So it feels nice to be able to contribute to a part of my childhood oh yeah is it caillou no is it getting repeated <laughs> that bald little boy is not part of my childhood <laughs> but yeah so i had the interview and it was kind of scary because this was the first time i'd had an interview where they actually asked questions specific to my work history mm. So before this, I had interviewed with Shadow Machine for a different show. And I even did a test with them, but it didn't go anywhere. Um, But even in that interview, they were kind of just like, so tell us about yourself. Okay, so your work looks great. Da-da-da-da-da. And Mm -hmm. that was it. But here they were like, okay, so what was your experience working on this? And how do you feel about this versus this? And I was like, oh my God, I wasn't ready for this. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm just over there like, uh, yeah, it was it was great. Um, I did this and this and that. Um, I mean, I guess I answered the questions right because I'm here now. <laughs> so it went it went well. I think they liked me. I made them laugh, which is important. You always want to seem personable to the people that are trying to hire you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, literally a day later, they were like, yeah, we want to hire you. Are you in? Because we'll send you the paperwork like right now. I was like, oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, and the rest is history. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a similar experience because right now I'm working for Atomic Cartoons. We talked about this before Mm -hmm. uh, the cast, but they're also based in Vancouver. And when they were interviewing me, they were like, oh, yeah. So can you just like walk us through every shot in your reel for animation i was like why oh okay like i i'll talk about stuff that i did i guess it just seemed weird because like yeah most of the time people will be like yeah the work speaks for itself Mm -hmm. but i guess i don't know maybe it's like a canada thing maybe they wanted to hear how you thought yeah like what's her brain like yeah they want to know yeah more like how your thought process through it but it's it's weird because i'm like well i've never had that experience before it's usually just like we've seen your stuff we just want to know you're not crazy yeah okay like <laughs> interview over I, I was like not prepared to like talk about anything that i did and i was like yeah basically everything i've made here is really chaotic and i had to figure out how to solve that problem <laughs> which wasn't a terrible thing it was just like yeah I, I mean i'm glad to hear that you had i guess a similar experience if they were like now tell us more <laughs> Tell us everything. Yeah. I also want to say, I think it's very great when they contacted you for your rates that you said the uni rates, because like, Mm -hmm. even though they probably weren't able to match it, it's still a good starting point because the worst they can say is no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like, yeah, they're based in Vancouver. They're out of the country, so they might not be able to match the state rates, but it's always a good starting point. So just kind of want to put that out there for people if you ever get reached out and they're asking for your rate. Union rates is always a good starting point. Mm -hmm. I mean, because of that, I was able to negotiate the salary up a bit more from what they were initially offering. Mm -hmm. That's good. Because when I first came out with that rate, she was like, oh, no, I'm really sorry. We this won't match that. But we want to find you something that will. And then when Sonic didn't work out, she was just like, okay, this is the position. I was like, is it possible to get anywhere closer to what I had initially asked for? And she came back with, oh, yeah, sure. And then Mm -hmm. it was a little bit higher. I was like, oh, I'll do it. (laughs) Like one of our previous guests, Samia, said they will find money somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm So you've also have done freelance storyboards for VideoCo as well as working on 13th Productions, Dragons of Melgore. How did the transition from doing freelance work to full-time work feel for you? So I was initially nervous that it was going to feel like weird doing like setting my own hours to going to like 40 hours a week mm-hmm. where it's like full time and you can work all the time. Mm. It actually wasn't that bad a transition. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm doing something that I love and that I'm passionate about. So it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. Initially though, it was like, I like it more because I feel like I get to talk to people. I'm in contact with people. Mm. There's like other things besides just doing the work. Uh, Whereas with freelance, you just do the work and you send it and you don't know if anything comes of it or what happens to it. You're so disconnected from the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So I definitely like working full time with like people Mm -hmm. because I'm a really social person Mm. more than the freelance thing. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a common thing when I hear about like freelancing transitioning to full time is just that yeah, there's always that disconnection from being a part of the team because mm-hmm. you don't really get to interact when you're freelancing. It's always so like segmented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Some people really like it though. Yeah, because they don't like 
have to adhere to a schedule. It's definitely like it's a different workflow. Like you said, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, but how does those experiences like help you out into like what you're doing now? Because you mentioned Offcast, working in a video co, kind of being like an Australian-based studio and then working on that Dragons of Melgore. Like how did those two experiences like really help you into your kind of full-time work now? Because freelance storyboards and full-time can sometimes be like a bit different. Yeah, I think like working with they're an Australian company, so they have their own time schedule. Hmm. Yes, you get to set your own hours, but the thing that I wasn't a fan of was, you know, at like eight o'clock at night, my time, they were like, we have these boards we really need you to jump on. Can you do it? And I'd be like, "Ah, I want to eat dinner. (laughs) I think like as I have worked more and more, I've started to find that I really am the most productive when the sun is up. (laughs) So it's really hard for me, I guess, to be that flexible where I'm like working crazy ass hours, you know, like working from like eight o'clock to midnight, for example, Mm. because it's like work hours for Australia. Mm -hmm. With Dragons of Malgore was a little bit different. I was working with an old professor of mine from college. So the time zone thing wasn't really an issue. It was like I was doing boards for his proof of concept because he was actively trying to pitch it to different studios. Mm. So it was a very like personal working relationship because like basically the workflow would be he'd get on a call with me i'd share my screen and he would essentially direct me as i draw Mm. which works for some people but i think it also like limits maybe the artist's creative voice Mm -hmm. over there Mm -hmm. but i think i picked up like things from both those experiences and brought to wild brain because like now i know when i'm productive Mm -hmm. i know the best hours that i work and i make that work for me over at wild brain i'm also better about i guess my own personal voice in the work that i do Mm -hmm. so even though technically like we're revisionists We still have like a little bit of a say like, oh, and shot choices and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess that's kind of how those experiences shaped me and what I brought over to Wild Brain. Totally. And then outside of story as well, you've also have done freelance work as a character designer for Nickelodeon. How was kind of that experience for you? That one was really fun. So I actually majored in game development in school. Mm. And it's really funny because before I like decided on a college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to do art Mm -hmm. and I wanted to do comics, but my mom was yelling at me like, print media's dad. So... (laughs) (laughs) so she was just like do something more sustainable and I was like all right Mm -hmm. so I toured the school and we were touring game development and I saw that they drew on Cintiqs and I was like that's cool I'm gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) so yes I made a very flippant decision on my entire future based on the fact that you could draw on Cintiqs at the school (laughs) but you know like even though I like over the course of the whole like, schooling thing, I realized like, yeah, I don't really like games. I mean, I like character design, but it always felt like there was a part of it that was just not right for me. Mm-hmm. And I still love character design, but I think the reason why I love character design is specifically because of the storytelling I can bring to the character. Mm-hmm. Which to me, in the case of storytelling is always like one of my first loves. So coming back to the question... Working as a freelance character design for Nickelodeon, it was fun because I got to like explore things for projects that are currently in development. So they haven't been fleshed out yet. Mm -hmm. So these are character explorations where I'm like really like figuring out, oh, what part of the story like influences this character? You know, what's their personality like? As opposed to just doing like design sheets and turnarounds 
and expressions, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what I liked about the freelance gig. And it was short and sweet. So that was nice, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that's just one of the things that was super interesting to me when um, how you mentioned that you went to Academy of Art for like game design and stuff. And again, majority of the work you've done, like you're clearly a story artist. You've done a lot of story work. When did you realize like, oh, this isn't what I want. Story is like the thing I want to shift to. Like, when did that click for you? When did that realization happen while attending school? So I think a part of me always knew because I wanted to do comics, which is another form of visual storytelling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even through college, when I was like doing like homework and stuff, I would still be like making my own comics on the side. Mm -hmm. Of course, I have not published any of them, but (laughs) they're for me. (laughs) It's okay. Who cares? They're for you. Yeah. They're for me. Yeah. So I've actually done my master's too in character design. For game development. Oh, wow. For games. (laughs) Okay, so I'm an international student. It's really hard to stay in this country. Mm. So when I first graduated with my undergrad, I knew. I knew I was nowhere ready to be in the industry. I still tried. I went through a whole summer of like applying to jobs and getting like rejected over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Basically, when an international student graduates, you get a year of like uh, OBT where you are authorized to work. Mm -hmm. Of course, your work is not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was applying to a bunch of places and my parents were just like, okay, so like, what's going on? You know, like it's January and you haven't gotten a job yet. Like, Mm -hmm. what's the plan? Are you coming back? I was like, no. And they're like, okay, well, how are you going to stay there? (laughs) (laughs) So that's when they were just like, you should look into doing a master's. And I was just like, I don't want to do that because like, what's the point? I was wrong. I actually did learn a lot. But anyway, so by the time I was like, all right, fine, I'll do a master's. It was too late to go anywhere else except the school that I graduated from. And I was like, I know the faculty. I know everybody in that department. I'll just go back there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was great because the faculty also knew me and like we had like a rapport already. So I was able to kind of curate my classes because by that point I'd realized I don't want to work in games. Mm-hmm. I do want to work in animation, but I don't want to change departments because I know everybody here. Uh-huh. So... I was able to kind of like curate my classes a little bit and take classes from other departments to kind of like get a little bit more animation like experience. And it wasn't until I graduated from my master's that I realized, hmm, I don't actually want to do like character design. I kind of like story art more. Mm -hmm. I started to learn a little bit more about like what that job entails. Finally, when I got married and I started the green card process, there was a whole year, year and a half actually, that I wasn't allowed to work. That was when I was just like, you know what? When else am I going to get a time to like understand storyboarding? So I taught myself Mm. how to like really like board for animation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because up until this point, I'd been freelancing for Vitico, but it's all commercial. So it's very different, the kind of boards that you do for them versus the kind that you would do for animation. So yeah, I I learned Storyboard Pro and I started learning how to board by boarding my own pilot. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. I I wrote a pilot for this project called Wade's Glade. It's all over my portfolio. Mm -hmm. Super cute. Thank you. (laughs) I wrote it with my roommate and I was just like, you know what? I got time. I'm just going to sit here and board an 11 minute like pilot. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not the best because it was my first attempt, but it was still cool that I was able to like actually like finish something and it was like mm-hmm. there finished. Yeah. And yeah, ever since then, I've been like trying to do like little music videos. I've been trying to take classes to like further polish and now I'm doing it, which is cool. So yeah, that's kind of how I fell into this wormhole of story. <laughs> yeah. 
on your portfolio site too, I was looking at it. There's like, you have four different boards up there and they're all really like kind of different. I mean, I, I guess they're like all sort of funny, but they're sort of different genres. Did you make all of those during your like sort of study period that you were teaching yourself boards? That's really cool. Thank you. Did you write all of those or like, was there a prompt? Did you have other people helping you? Because I think a lot of the times when students are developing their portfolio, they'll be told like, oh, you should have a variety of pieces. But you know, sometimes it's hard to yeah. <laughs> to write or like get ideas. So what kind of helps you develop like different ideas for your different boards? So out of the four projects that I have on my portfolio, three of them are actually music videos. Mm. I find that different pieces of music inspire stories for me mm. when i listen to like some songs i can actually like see it in my head mm-hmm. like, oh that would be so cool mm-hmm. so the songs that i chose except for i think the harbinger of doom the other two songs were songs that i've been listening to for years and i was like oh i really want to do a music video for it but i never felt like i had the skill for it yet mm. so i finally was able to like i guess know what i needed to do by this point and i did little like like one of them was like an intro to an imaginary animated show oh oh, cool yeah yeah that one is actually based on a comic that i was writing in college with a friend so those characters have been created for a long time and then the other one is like one that we did during the women in animation mentorship Mm -hmm. the horror one it's a piece of like i I like to call it it's a fanatic (laughs) based on this super creepy character from league of legends Mm -hmm. i created the other characters around him and i came up with the story for it but yeah like all of these i've come up with the story for it by myself that's really cool and then kind of like you mentioned that we uh like mentorship how was that we a story circle because you were you were we a story circle mentee what did you find beneficial about that experience so many things <laughs> i like we have a community i feel like i made so many story friends we still have a discord group going where we'll like mm. check in with each other we'll help each other find jobs we'll give each other tips on stuff like i feel like i can ask a question in there and like five different people will try to find a solution for me mm-hmm. it feels nice having a group of supportive women and other like minorities just there to support you and for you to support them Mm. it's also nice because we got really lucky with our mentor crystal she's been super supportive she's always like trying to like look out for us which is cool crystal babich yes oh yeah guest on the podcast be sure to also check out her episode she was great she she was wonderful i saw that yeah she was so cool yeah you guys have also actually interviewed one of my other mentee friends brie oh oh really williams yeah brie williams oh heck yeah yeah it was it was cool when we got split up into like a little buddy system to kind of check in on each other she was my buddy oh yeah dude such a small world yeah yeah. But it's been it's been great. We're actually like trying to plan like like a zoo sketch crawl thing mm. sometime later this month or next month. Oh cool. But it's nice because it feels like I actually made friends, not just mm. like, oh, I have to network, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people misunderstand about networking. They're like, oh, I should just like hand out business cards, but like Really, it's about making friends mm-hmm. yeah. and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was the best part about the mentorship. No, that's great. I'm glad I was 
really helpful and like really beneficial for you because I remember at the time when we were interviewing Crystal, she was announced to be one of the, the mentors, but she hasn't started. And I remember it's like, oh yeah, whoever you get, they're going to learn so much. Oh, it's oh, going to be a wonderful did. time. <laughs> it was cool. She brought like different guest speakers to give us like insight into different aspects of the pipeline. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. We got to talk to writers. One of the writers she brought on even gave us a sample script to board if you wanted to. Oh, wow. With like characters already like described in there and it was like I think like a three-page script as a as a fun exercise it was cool meeting all of these like really like big people in the industry and like mm. seeing their perspective understanding their journey how they got to where they are mm-hmm. how they're doing now mm-hmm. yeah really if you guys can do it it's really beneficial mm-hmm. <laughs> free to apply free to apply mm-hmm. so for yourself do you have any future aspirations in the industry I saw this question and I was so nervous about it because (laughs) there's so much I want to do and I don't know how to answer this question in like a small way, right? (laughs) In Mm -hmm. a succinct way. Yeah. Hey, um, just go off. Just go off. Well, (laughs) I... I want to be a showrunner at some point. I Mm want to do animation. I also want to work in live action. I want to write. I want to direct. So much I want to do. No, that's awesome. I again, you're still very young and early in your career where all that's like is still very much a possibility. That's true. Yeah. And it seems like you have such a good hand on your shoulders. The fact that you were able to kind of write these pieces and like, you know, make them and you know, putting your portfolio and really like, you know, hone in on that skill, I feel like you're on a good track already. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like, so you, you want to direct, you want to write, you want to live action. That's, that's also really interesting. Like what interests you about live action? Well, my writing partner slash roommate and I, we're always like riffing on ideas. And Mm -hmm. I think like when we like talk about these ideas, it's less about whether we're trying to do them in a specific medium. It's more about like what medium would best suit the storytelling for this particular project. So Mm. I think in that regard, I'm more open to different mediums Mm. in like storytelling as opposed to just being fixed on the one or the other. I think there are definitely projects that work really well for animation and there are projects that work really well for live action. And I just want to be able to tell all kinds of diverse stories Mm. that work for different mediums. Mm -hmm. yeah no i like that so something else i want to ask is that when it comes to your cultural background do you think it influences who you are as an artist and the kind of maybe the stories you want to tell that's a bit of a hard question to answer Mm -hmm. and i think it's because like so i'm indian but i've never lived in india Mm -hmm. i grew up in dubai my whole life and i guess like i'm what you would call a third culture kid Mm. Mm -hmm. Because, like, yeah, I was influenced by Indian culture. I was also influenced by Dubai culture and specifically Dubai Indian culture. Mm. Mm -hmm. But Dubai, you know, like the UAE, they don't really, like, give you citizenship just because you were born there. So even though I've never lived in India, technically I'm an Indian citizen. Mm -hmm. And it always kind of left me with this sense of, like, I don't really know where I belong. Because if I go to India, I stand out. Mm. If I'm in Dubai, I stand out. Out here, I stand out. Mm -hmm. I think, like, I guess that aspect has really influenced the kinds of stories that I want to tell because I think the trope that always gets me is found family Mm. and, I guess, finding a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the biggest way that all of this has influenced me in any way. Mm -hmm. I always like asking this question because sometimes unnecessarily I feel like our guests get tripped up or I feel like our guests feel like they have to answer a certain way but it's like it's really different for everybody because it could very much be your actual like culture like oh like you know there's traditions it's heritage this other stuff but it could also be just the way 
because of your culture, because of your background, how you grew up, like, again, being an immigrant kid or being a kid that like moved around a lot and like not feeling attached to a specific culture, feeling like you're an outlier no matter where you are, it's still part of like how we grew up and it stems from our cultural background, but doesn't necessarily have to be heritage and tradition in that sense. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what you're saying about being a third culture kid, like it totally feel that of like, you go to one place and you're like, oh, I don't feel like X enough. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, well, I guess I'm not American enough because mm-hmm. like I'm too Asian or whatever. Right. But like, obviously, if I went to Asia, I would be too like, American, extremely American. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's it just not feeling accepted, like social outward pressures. It's yeah, it's a lot to take. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess like the found family trope for sure is like really popular especially among like yeah third generation Mm -hmm. sort of people who are like well there's also a whole a new sort of american culture too that emerges and it's difficult but Mm -hmm. (laughs) the solidarity of being a third culture kid (laughs) yeah i feel like the the trend happening now is uh breaking the cycle of family trauma yeah oh my god (laughs) Every time I go to the movies, just tears. The generational trauma. Yeah, uh, all the feels. <laughs> Every time. I just saw everything everywhere all at once. Oh. And I was like, shit, oh, I didn't so know good. this was going to be a generational yeah, trauma movie. No, like, I was crying. Punched me right at the end. <laughs> Fucking hell. No, yeah, I loved it because we were, we were on the side of the mom seeing it from her perspective. Uh, I really liked it. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. My husband was like, this is my new favorite movie. <gasps> I cannot believe Wayman was short round from Indiana yeah! Jones. Yeah. And he hasn't acted in years. And he he's came so back and good. Now. Yeah. He's so amazing. He made the movie for me. He absolutely made the he movie for me. He was so wholesome. I know. Like, uh, I was like, Wait a minute, I just want to put you in my pocket and keep I you know. with me. I, I just want to wrap you in a blanket. <laughs> you can put a glaze all over my stuff. I don't care. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a beautiful man. Yeah, so wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry for that tangent. I was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this has been happening. <laughs> but again, I think I like that you were able to kind of like identify that. And yeah, the fact that like, you know, found family really speaks to you. I think that it is something that also speaks to other people. And like, it's cool that you kind of know what you gravitate towards and like having something that you want to share and tell. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Aishwarya. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to promote? Oh, well, you can find me on Instagram at shubu22 <laughs> or on Twitter at shu underscore boo. It was shubu22 was already taken on Twitter by somebody's <laughs> dog. Wait, what? <laughs> the dog, no! Yeah. So why not change uh, your Instagram handle to match your Twitter handle? Well, I like shubu22. Shu underscore boo is like, <laughs> oh, like separating it, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, that's that's fair. Shubu22 does roll off the tongue yeah. a lot better. Shu underscore boo. It's like so difficult. <laughs> but yes, you can find me there on Twitter. I mostly shit post on Twitter, though. So. Good. But yeah, I don't particularly have anything to promote because all the things I'm working on are too much in development to really like be like, oh, watch out, something's coming out. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> no, totally fair. That's me. <laughs> pain, pain of the beginning of the pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so as we come to a close, what final advice do you want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in animation? Oh, there's so much. I think the biggest thing would be be kind to everyone and to yourself and be patient 
this stuff takes time and I think it's really easy to get burnt out by the number of projections that you get. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hard, but you have to remember that it's not always something that you did. You know, it could be something that's going on on there. Maybe you just weren't the right fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, be kind to yourself and to people around you because a rising tide raises all ships. Aww. And if you're mean, mm-hmm. no one's going to want to work with you. No, very true. Yeah. It's a, it's a collaborative space. And I think a lot of people forget that when they're like trying to be like superstar artists. You can't be a superstar alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah 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 you gotta remember that this industry is a very collaborative industry yeah yeah oh i think for what you're saying you get a lot of rejections in this industry i had forgot to say but like when you were talking about getting your position at wild brain and how you applied in november and you were like ah, it's probably nothing yeah <laughs> i think that's a good thing to keep in mind because if you apply for anything in november or december nobody is going to get back to you that's true because everybody shuts down between december or january so like if you apply at the end of the year don't worry about it too much just know like maybe it'll come in a few months mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. but uh i guess just keep that in mind and plan ahead yeah there's all those uh waves that the industry goes through right yeah mm-hmm. hiring waves and mm-hmm. sleepy waves yeah yeah <laughs> well thanks again for all your wonderful answers if you enjoyed our interview with Ashwarya today Please rate and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to Edgar Arellano for editing this episode. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week... Have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Bye. <laughs> you're, you're great. You're wonderful. <laughs> it was perfect. Thank you.